Oil companies are getting creative with raising cash on this energy edition of Industry Focus. Greetings, fools. I am Sean O'Reilly, joining you here from Fool Headquarters in Alexandria, Virginia. And I am joined today by our energy experts, Tyler Crow and Taylor Muckerman. How's it going, guys? Being awfully generous with that expert word. Yeah, I, I, I really get nervous when you say expert, because then people are going to trust us. I didn't want to say it, but you guys are our second stringers. Yeah, that's yeah. fine. Oh, well. Who's first string? You don't want to know. Obviously, the analysts outside our door here. Must be. Yeah, stock advisor analysts. Beating down the door. Yeah. Um, so if you're just joining us, folks, today uh, we're going to be talking about uh, how all these oil companies are keeping the lights on, basically. And uh, first up, we've got a deal where Pioneer Natural Resources is selling a pipeline asset to enter- enterprise product partners for $2.15 billion. Uh, Tyler, what did you think when you first saw this? He's he's kind of leading me because I told him about this earlier, but... Um, the first image that came to my mind is it you, has anybody seen those cash for gold commercials where it's like need cash now you know, I need cash now or it's like someone's grandma says I turned in my scrap gold for cash I I, I don't know why but for some reason yeah for some reason this deal just to me screamed I need cash now and what ended up happening was and Pioneer Products has these had these pipeline assets they had built out to kind of get their production started in the Eagleford Shale area, and they couldn't get it to work. Uh, so well, this thing wasn't, wasn't working. Well, it just it, got I'm sorry, I'm sorry. That was okay. that, and let me let me clarify. It wasn't generating revenue, or it, and it wasn't a way to monetize for them because it was basically a way for them to, you know, gather everything that they have and bring it to market. It's nice to have. It can reduce your cost a little bit. And when you're getting started, it can be hard to get a partner to develop all your gathering pipeline. So they were doing it themselves. But then they had all this pipeline that didn't you know, have as much. So it's like, we have all this pipeline, but I need cash now. So they headed on down to Enterprise Products uh, Pipeline Emporium and turned in that pipeline for cash. I noticed that uh – Pioneer, which was cash flow negative last year of $1.2 billion, and the year before that was negative $900 million, happened to sell something to Enterprise Products, which had positive free cash flow last year of $1.2 billion. So this definitely seems to be a case of somebody's got a bunch of money lying around, they totally buy it, and they bought the the gold. (laughs) What caught me off guard was that everyone always talks about Pioneer being one of the top producers in the country, and here they are. Negative free cash Negative flow. Negative free cash even, flow, even, selling pipelines. Even when oil was at 100 bucks, Like, I'm right. talking fiscal year 2014. Yes. That was, uh, I mean, granted, you know, five months of that year were pretty, it was on the downturn, so they weren't living at low prices the whole time, but- um, Even in 2013, it was negative yeah. 900 million. And so. uh, people, I think you just look at Pioneer, everyone keeps saying they're the, one of the top producers, but they maybe it's just asset-based. They, just, uh, they have great assets. If, if oil prices rise, they could be one of the great producers- because um, if you look at EOG, they have their own rail lines, they have their own pipelines, they have their own sand mines. They're doing all right. Yeah, one of the things I think, when I look at Pioneer Natural Resources and people say it's a top producer, I think a lot of people get very starry-eyed at the size of their reserves. Right. If you look at what they have... Are they mostly in Texas? They're mostly yeah, in Permian Texas, Basin. Permian Basin. I mean, that's at least a little a win, bit in, right? Yeah. yeah. And the amount that they estimate they have in the Permian based on the multiple layers of shale that are available... You know, once the technology catch up, the costs come down. We're talking about 
the, what they believe is better than 75 billion barrels of oil. This thing is massive. And Pioneer has a pretty good acreage position in it. Mm-hmm. So everyone gets a little starry-eyed. It's like, oh, my God, look at all this oil they could drill. But they have to do it economically, and mm-hmm. they haven't quite figured out how to Are do it. Are they not yet. as efficient as an EOG? Because I did this deep dive, and I compared them to um, uh, Devon and mm-hmm. – um, uh, Chesapeake, I think, mm-hmm. and they all compete in you know the Eagle Ford and all this stuff. And EOG somehow manages to be free cash flow positive last year and grow production more than those other guys. And is it if in a magical world Pioneer were as efficient as EOG, they would be a little bit better off? That's yeah, a magical world, and maybe that's how EOG's doing it. Maybe it's magic if no one else can Clearly, replicate it, right? They have Harry Potter. They've been this. around for a while, and every year they get better and better at it. Which is what that was the story. I was like, this is staggering. Yeah. like these people are really, really good at this. Mm-hmm. It's, it also makes it uh, something slightly ironic about one of the greatest failures in energy was Enron. They were just this castaway, a yeah. castaway of Enron. Two castaways of Enron are now two of the biggest players in the American. Oil and gas space. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have uh, EOG Resources and Kinder Morgan, which mm-hmm. technically wasn't part of the portfolio, but Richard Kinder was the heir apparent to Enron and said, "Nah, I'm no, going to go run pipelines." Well, well, he then he, I guess he used the money that they gave him to go buy the pipelines. Right. So I guess he didn't. Well, I thought he bought them from from Enron. He might have. He Enron might have has spawned because you also had that hedge fund guy, that John Arnold. That was a trader for Enron, and he made like an eight million dollar bonus just trading natural gas for him. And he just left, yeah. like when it was collapsing, and he's like worth billions now. And he just traded natural gas for the last ten years, and he just retired. Like there's all these castaways from Enron that were all great bets. Just Enron wasn't. Nobody writes a book about that. It's only the smartest guys in the room. It is a really entertaining story. Nobody writes a book about all that. Uh, so bring it back around to our cash for gold scenario. Um, what do you like? These energy companies are having to get creative with you know keeping the lights on and everything. Pioneers obviously is selling this for a reason, and actually it sounds like a good deal because they aren't making the best use of the asset, and arguably it should go to somebody that can. No, it works out to a pretty good deal overall. I mean, it, Pioneer is basically going to net about one billion dollars because they owned half of it. Um, the other one was a pro- um, private holding, and so they'll get half of it. The other half will you know get their their billion share. And the nice thing for enterprise is they don't have to pay for it all up front. You know, it's I believe it's they pay half now, one point one five billion now, and then one year after the closing is when they have to make the final payment. So it actually gives Enterprise a nice kind of buffer period to gain a little cash from operations that they can throw at it and not have to go out today and raise two billion dollars in cash. Do you think that's handy. a sign of a buyer's market? That yeah, sounds pretty good. Dictating to me. terms. Yeah. Hey, I don't and, have to give you all my cash well, just and they yet. Even you threw, can take this and like it. They <laughs> even threw a little kicker in to be like, you can even use our system uh, at a slight discount. Right. It's like you'll save two hundred million dollars over twenty years. Yeah. So you know, throw a little kicker in year, yeah. and say, we don't feel like paying you all of it now. We, we, we don't think you're responsible enough. We'll give you 500 now, 500 later. So how does this relate to what um, other energy names like a Lynn or a Brightburn or they're slashing their dividends, they're issuing a few units? Like, Is this where we are now? Are they just trying to survive as long as possible before having to sell something? I don't know. What's that song? The first cut is the deepest? Yeah. <laughs> a little Cheryl Crow there. I know what you were listening to this morning. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, where did that come from? I don't know. You know, I think a lot of these companies are just taking that first stab at, you know, we, they don't think this is going to be that long of a period, so let's just go ahead and get a dividend cut out of the way. Let's go ahead and get an asset sale out of the way rather than um, taking bits and pieces at a time planning for like a five-year downturn. I think these companies are expecting us to turn around. 
but the ones that are in trouble need quick infusions of cash so they or quick reduction in cash outflows like a dividend um and a lot of those companies were paying dividends that were right on the fringe of being sustainable even at a hundred dollars a barrel so um i think that that was just you know the gut reaction they had to do it and now most likely if this turns around in in the next fiscal year i think they'll most of them will be all right. And it kind of gets into the next the thing we were going to talk about after this. Is yeah, the who here is surpri- yeah, the who here surprised of- that how shales not die? Yeah, nobody's getting <laughs> bought. Nobody's going bankrupt. Yeah, well, I mean, not nobody, nobody. There's but. been like a couple small bankruptcies, but yeah. these companies were yeah. teetering on bankruptcy mm-hmm. at $100 an, a barrel. I mean, there was a couple. So what did you think would happen at 50 like? Yeah, so at 50 we're like, I mean, come on, obviously. But there have been a lot better, and it's – it's been surprising to see how resilient they have been to that. And I, a couple things I think that have been that can attest for the resiliency is number one, shale costs, like the actual cost of drilling shale. It's still a n- relatively new process. We, we haven't mastered it like we have conventional drilling. And so costs are coming down at a rate that, you know, what was profitable at $90 a barrel two, three years ago is now profitable at 75 or 70 Yeah, what was it in that EOG investor presentation? They're making more money at 65 per barrel than they did at 93 years ago. So I, yeah, I can't remember. From bringing yeah. costs down mm-hmm. from a lot, a lot of things you were saying, rail, sand, logistics, things like that. Yep. They've been able to bring down their cash costs enough that they can make profits at these lower levels in, like you said, EOG. And those are things that only they're they're doing right now. Other companies that are all doing the same thing, they have multiple multiple wells being drilled on the same pad. They have uh, deeper wells. Um, were, I don't know. They're, they're longer laterals. Yeah. So they're just to be able to extract more oil from the same well or from the same pad, which is where they have the multiple wells being drilled in the same area. Um, and that reduces cost and it reduces the time to drill. So these these shale companies are getting really really efficient and they're making more money at lower oil prices. Is this somehow like bearish for oil prices, but bullish for the companies themselves? Oh, it, that's I don't want to get too macro. Trillion here, dollar, question. yeah, that is the one trillion dollar question. Um, you know, one of the things when I I look at it, the the fascinating thing about shale in contrast to a lot of other oil development is. Shale development is a much shorter cycle than everything Yeah, what does it last, like six months and your wells have gone or something? Well, not only that, but actually ramping up as well. You know, for an offshore oil well out in the Gulf of Mexico, we're talking three to five years of development uh, for procurement and getting, you know, all the subsea infrastructure in place to actually make it to work. And which also means that you have to bring on a lot at the same time, You're, you know, 70, 80, 100,000 barrels per day. Whereas shale, I'll go out, I'll go drill a well in seven days, have that thing running in 10. And we're going to go out to the Virginia country. Wham, bam, thank you, man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 1,000 barrels a day, right back up on, on schedule. And what I think it, th- this is the possibility that I see that could actually see a significant change is with that quick turnaround, you don't have to be as consistent of a capital allocator every, from year to year. You don't have to be that, that steady hand. You can be that one that, shifts with the market a little bit more and being able to do that with such a short development cycle i'm making a bold speculation guess here but i think it could shorten commodity cycles 
you know, with a with the ability to react that Especially quickly. Especially with the U.S. as kind of the yeah. world's swing producer now, yeah. quote unquote. <laughs> you know, with so many different companies within the United States, uh, Wall Street Journal actually had a good f- um, uh, factoid today. It was, I think it's more than 50 companies in the U.S. produce 75% of the oil versus – so it's so fragmented that right. it's hard – you can't control it. It's like herding cats. Right. <laughs> and so when you have that, it, it kind of – it, all these people are going to be able to move quickly, change what they want to do, pivot, and that can kind of shorten the commodity cycle because if you can react that quickly – As opposed to, to five years yeah, with this offshore stuff. Exactly. Yeah. And there's really no other country that started to do it yet, and so many other countries have shale that could turn this on if if they get their act together in the government side by allowing the companies to come in. Uh, if companies aren't worried about their assets being seized, if they can get their resources as far as water and, and they get pipelines built, China, Argentina, most, I mean, you got Poland sitting there on tons of natural gas, Russia. Russia uh, uh, so all these con- countries just haven't even tapped the shale, the shale resource yet. And then if that takes place, then you're going to see supreme flexibility. Mm. We have a lot of advantages, though, with like the capital markets and just the ability to drill and yeah we have a lot of advantages which is why you know why all these countries here. it started exactly, here exactly yeah. and then uh, these other countries aren't going to have to really take all this time to figure it out because you're going to have the Halliburtons the Schlumbergers now now the Halliburton and Baker Hughes's um, and a couple other smaller companies Weatherfords that are going to know how to do this already they're going to go over there and then you're going to have the big EMPs the Exxons the Stat Oils the Shells all these guys that are, have been doing it that aren't just U.S. producers. They've already got the workforce abroad, and they're going to know how to do it. They're going to get in there, and they're going to get it done, and these countries are going to be the beneficiaries of that if they allow it and if they if they allow these companies to do it as safely as we've been doing it. Very good. Well, thanks for your thoughts, guys. Have a good one. And if you found this show informative and are looking for more foolish stock ideas, Stock Advisor may be the service for you. It is our flagship newsletter started more than 10 years ago by Motley Fool co-founders Tom and David Gardner. We are offering the lowest price out there for all of our industry-focused listeners. It is $98 for a two-year subscription to Stock Advisor. You'll get two stock recommendations every month with insight from our team of analysts. Just go to focus.fool.com to take advantage of this deal. Once again, that is focus.fool.com. And as always, people on this program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against those stocks. So don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear on this program. For Tyler Crow and Taylor Markman, I am Sean O'Reilly. Thanks for listening, and Fool on! Fool on!